the biggest thing that is happening and, and ongoing for quite some years now is really virtualization. I mean, right. the, of NFV is, is very much uh, affecting uh, the packed core part of, of, of the networks. And the reason is very simple, right? I mean, we are using more and more data. There is a need for further expanding your packet core networks. The idea of building the packet core networks using virtualization technology appeals to uh, basically all service providers around the world. I mean, it's, 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 it's happening everywhere. Welcome to another episode of Transmissions from Tomorrow, the show that gives you an inside route to the people driving the digital transformation of business and technology in the world of telecommunications. And I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. And today I have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by Pio Leto. Hi, Pio. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thanks so much for catching up with me, making time. Now, for listeners who are just tuned in, um, I want to just outline kind of where we're at. So I'm in Sydney, as most people know usually, but you are in uh, Gothenburg, which I think is in the south of Sweden, isn't it? Yes, it's on the southwest side of Sweden, uh, and and uh, it happens to be a fantastic day here in Sweden. Actually, better weather than normal. So so uh, very very nice day to to uh, to talk to you today from Gothenburg. Thanks so much for making time. And I had to laugh when we were talking earlier. You were saying that you're coming up to the. Uh, I guess, uh, summer period for you, but uh, you jokingly said that usually lasts one or two days, which I thought was quite funny. Now, let me just quickly introduce you. So, um, Pio Leto, you're the head of product line Packet Core in the uh, business area digital services uh, part of Ericsson Digital. That's a bit of a mouthful, but I think uh, you, you've paraphrased that best when you said that you, uh, you head up Packet Core. Um, maybe just do a quick introduction to yourself and, and what that actual job title entails. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, since a couple of years back, I'm I'm heading uh, a product management team, basically uh, responsible for the packet core portfolio. So, so I have a team that that is looking at the. Uh, all the products and then the full portfolio uh, products and services uh, that that uh, is Ericsson's offering in, in in the packet core uh, area. This goes for 2G, 3G, 4G, uh, coming into 5G, as well as as uh, uh, the edge products on the fixed axis. So so that's what my team does: uh, uh, product management. It's it's a it's a very broad, uh, reaching role. I I, I imagine that. Um... There are days where you just sit there and catch your breath, realizing that uh, from the from the moment. And I we were in uh, um, Schuster, uh, which is about twenty kilometers out of Stockholm, near the airport. There, from memory, it, uh, we went through the Ericsson Studios and looked through the history of some of the devices and had fond memories, uh, little flashbacks, if you like, a, a drive down uh, memory lane of looking at the original mobile phone, this massive uh, briefcase size thing. Uh, but mm. you know, listening to what you've got there, your role effectively uh, sort of starts from the period of where we transitioned our GSM all the way to today and, and kind of the new emerging technologies like 5G and things around that. Um, before we do get into your role, though, if you don't mind, can we just step sideways? I'd love for our listeners to kind of build a rapport with you to kind of just to get to know you personally and talk about kind of where you are from originally, what your background's like, uh, any insights around your academic background, and, and I guess then how you came to this role in Ericsson, if that's okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so uh, I'm Swedish. I'm, I'm born here, not so far away, actually, from Gothenburg and in, in the south part of Sweden. Um, and uh, this is where I grew up. Uh, I, I studied, uh, studied at university uh, here in Gothenburg uh, to become an electrical engineer uh, uh, back in the, in the, in the late uh, 80s. 
Uh, and and as well, uh, I also got an MBA here in in, in industrial purchasing uh, and marketing here here from Gothenburg. Uh, my name though uh, is is not typical Swedish. Uh, Leto, uh, my my family name is actually Finnish, uh, and I had some roots from Finland. Uh, during uh, during the Second World War, it was uh, uh, a lot of young kids that were sent from Finland uh, over to Sweden to get away from the war. And, and my father was one of those. Uh, and, and then he stayed in Sweden after the war as well. So, so uh, I have a, have a tight connection to, to our neighbors uh, uh, in Finland. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big history buff. And um... That whole period, I guess, from the seven, mid 1700s through to 1945, there was, you know, significant turmoil, and, and particularly obviously around uh, World War One and World War Two, but certainly World War Two. Um, give us a bit of background and, and insight into kind of your academic path. Uh, I, I'm really curious to kind of know how uh, folk like yourself inside the Ericsson team uh, sort of got into a, a sort of a mix of technical and business. What kind of mm. what excited you about kind of you know you've you've done the MBA. Uh, what excited you about the, the technology aspects of what you're doing these days? How, how, what was that journey academically like? Yeah, I mean, I've always been very interested, I think, in technology, not just electronics, computers, and so I mean, I think uh, as, as a young guy, I was also into actually mechanics. I like to work with my hands. Uh, if that is to to, to work on, on, on the motorbike or, 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 uh, or uh, to, to do some uh, work uh, in, in my garden, building on my house, I mean, anything like that's always been, been part of my, my genes, uh, you can say. Um, in the end, I mean, I choose the the, the computer uh, and, and and electronics uh, uh, path. Um, actually, didn't uh, really end up in in the typical part of the industry directly after school. I started uh, working actually in the nuclear business in Sweden after my 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 graduation. Wow. Uh, yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting background I have. Uh, okay, it was it was uh, in the area of instrumentation and control equipment. Uh, I was working with the modernization of, of the control rooms uh, in in the Swedish nuclear power plants, uh, basically going from uh, replacing analog equipment with new digital equipment using computers uh, in, in in the uh, in the monitoring and, and operations of, of of the power plants. Um, so, so that was one transformation in itself uh, at, at that time, and and they were very interesting as well. To um, similarities, I would say, with telecom in the sense that you build systems where you really you need to make sure, of course, that that high availability and and, and robustness and and redundancy is is built into the systems for obvious reasons, right? So, so, uh, so that was a good school. Uh, to to bring with me when I then later uh, went from from that industry over into telecom. Wow! Yeah, I can imagine. I'm just listening to that, I was making notes, thinking uh, if you're uh, if you're in an environment where you're working with anything, just the word nuclear, <laughs> particularly in control rooms, and then the instrumentation and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, that's a perfect pedigree for what you're doing now, I guess. In that where you're you're sweating out every picosecond and nanosecond of packets moving around all kinds of layers of the stack, and then the whole challenge of virtualization and the transformation into 5G and then I guess, you know, introduction new technologies like network slicing and then the shift to DevOps and continuous integration, continuous deployment. Uh, the There are a couple of big things that jump out of that with me, actually, because um, 
you know, in your in your current role, when we when we sort of talk about your role as as you know head of product line packet core inside uh, the business area digital services, the packet core part is sort of I guess uh, when we we're talking earlier, uh, is it right to sort of say that that's when we talk about packet core, is that sort of the the central foundational component you 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 predominantly focus on? Yeah, I mean, I normally describe it like this. I mean, to 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 make it very simplistic, right? I mean, everyone knows what the 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 um, the antennas and the radio systems are, right? You can see the antennas, uh, and 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 you can say back packet core is when you leave the radio systems and you basically go into data centers uh, and you need to shift all the traffic, all the data traffic, uh, out to the points where you hit the internet. That's basically packet core. I mean, we, we are part of the underlying infrastructure, the basic uh, uh, connectivity from the radio systems towards the, the towards the internet. So, so in that sense, if you make the analogy with um, road systems, like infrastructure in the society, we are making sure that there are roads uh, connecting the radio uh, with with uh, the internet. That, right. that, that's basically what we do. And it's it's that, that whole switch fabric, really, isn't it? Because as you said, you've got the you've got the combination of centrally hosted control environments for the antennas and, and the network itself. As far as the the signaling goes, you've got the antennas on poles and, and and aerials and so forth around the place. But you're kind of the magic in between, the unseen bit of just moving packets from the edge of the network all back to somewhere centrally, and then routing them. And that may be routing yep. over the internet or over internetworks uh, outside of the internet, quote unquote. And and particularly in customer networks where you you're either delivering a service that they manage themselves or you might be offering as as a service these days. Um, run us through some of the the biggest spaces. I mean, we talked earlier around things like network slicing and virtualization and that whole transformation of five G, uh, CICD. Um, walk us through some of those uh, key topics that you work on. Maybe something like network slicing to start with. Where are the big uh, focus points for for what your role encompasses? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe just to, I, I would start maybe say that, I mean, the, the biggest thing that is happening and, and ongoing for, for quite some years now is really virtualization. I mean, right. the, the move of, of NFV is, is very much uh, affecting uh, the packet, packet core part of, of, of the networks. And, and the reason is very simple, right? I mean, we are using more and more data. There is a need for, for further expanding your packet core networks. So... The idea of, of building um, uh, the packet core networks uh, using virtualization technology appeals to, to uh, basically all service providers around the world. I mean, it's, 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 it's happening everywhere. There is not a single service provider that is not looking at, at using virtualization technology in our domain. Um, and, and, and based on that, you can say that network slicing has uh, arose as an as a as an opportunity and a possibility, uh, because when you start virtualizing your network, you can use the technology uh, to to create certain things. Um, if uh, if you separate the software from the hardware by virtualization technologies, uh, you can you can then um, instead of building dedicated networks for certain services you can use the technology to to use a common infrastructure a common set of resources while at the same time slice your network up in in in, in a logical way so you can optimize 
the number of resources that is set aside for a certain service uh, for a certain customer. Uh, and, and, and what does this create? Well, it creates a, um, a higher um, uh, flexibility and agility. You can adjust your network to new services and new opportunities. It creates separation of concern. Uh, so you don't want to taint uh, a certain very critical service with uh, other traffic uh, at the same time. You, you basically keep them separate and make sure that you keep uh, high availability uh, and and uh, and um, uh, service uh, KPIs uh, at the level that that needs to be uh, per, per service, and 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 this can be done then in in a, in a cost efficient way because instead of doing all this separate, you are using common infrastructure, common uh, components while logically dividing them in, in, in the software. And, and, and this is a very appealing thing. Um, I, I will make the analogy, if, again, take the infrastructure. Uh, it's like instead of, I mean, take our roads today. You have cars, you have bikes, you have buses uh, and, and different kinds of transport on, on, on the same roads. And you can say that that in a sense is, 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 is a type of, of, of slicing, right? You use right. the same infrastructure. Instead of building one roads for for cars and another roads for trucks, right? It wouldn't make sense, but it's actually uh, uh, sometimes the way we have done it in, in communication systems before uh, the idea of network slicing. The transition front, when we think about virtualization, I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept as far as uh, hypervisors go in the operating system space. Um, can you maybe give us a little bit of insight of kind of the context of virtualization when we talk about the telco space? Because I think there's a couple of different layers I'd, I'd love to sort of dive into very, very briefly, because I've certainly had a lot of inquiries from listeners on previous podcasts around what virtualization and, and I guess, the flow-on network slicing component means in a telco space. When we think about it in traditional enterprise world, it's like, you know, take a physical machine and put a hypervisor on it. So now you go from one computer running an operating system like Linux or Windows and one service to then all of a sudden that one computer could run five or six different virtual machines. And now all of a sudden you can run a mail server and a web server and a database server on the same physical box because the machine's getting more powerful. But in the context of the telco space, uh, it'd be great to get some insight into kind of what virtualization means as far as service delivery goes, and particularly from your your customer's, uh, I guess, um, point of view, and that is that if a Telstra or, or Verizon or um, Telefonica or anybody of that ilk is going to adopt Ericsson's virtualization in the telco space, what does that actually mean to them? Well, I think first... Uh it means that that they should be able to uh, deploy our software uh, for for different network functions, for packet core and for for other parts of of of, of the network, uh, together with software from 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 other vendors on one and the same infrastructure. Right? I mean, it, it's it's uh, uh, from that perspective, uh, they're looking for. Uh, Maybe the word is agnosticity, right? They they they, they want to make sure that they they can. Uh, there is no tie between the hardware and the software. There's no no tie between the hypervisor and the actual application that they are running on top. They should be able to mix and match uh, any any combination. And I, I think that is a something that is very clearly a trend in the industry right now. How do you go from the early 
uh, introduction of of, uh, of virtualization technology to something where everything is really really mature and you can do that mix and match of different application softwares from 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 different vendors, and 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 you still have uh, good performance and 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 uh, systems that that operate the way you expect them to do. Well, I guess they've got a you know, the carriers have got an interesting uh, I guess play going forward, and, and from my point of view, I'm keen to get your insight. And there's a you know, they've had some very big sunk costs in, I guess, the transition from sort of radio and GSM through to 2 and 3 and 4G. From 2D to 3G was a pretty big jump. 3 to 4G, maybe we went from voice to slightly more media, I guess, you know, video and, and other things streaming centric. Uh, but there's some very big sunk costs. It costs some millions and millions and millions of dollars to roll out some of the anten- new antennas, new cabling infrastructure, um, new, I guess, data center capabilities. Um and it took them, you know, potentially 10 plus years to recover uh, their costs on that and get a return on investment. Yeah. But the transition I'm seeing now, and I guess that, you know, if I was a carrier, I'd be doing backflips when, when Ericsson walks in the door and says, not only can we do virtualization of the infrastructure, we can do virtualization of the servers, services. But, you know, from what I'm seeing and hearing, you can actually do more of a, I guess, that full DevOps um, automation and orchestration self-service from a service catalog, but not so much just of Ericsson services to your consumers as telcos and operators, but the telcos and operators must then be able to flow that onto their consumers, whether they're enterprise or government or end consumers, to essentially draw down, you know, whether it's stand up a, a software-defined uh, VPN or software-defined routing and switching and firewalling environment for either internet access or just a you know, point-to-point VPN, but consumers can also subscribe and sign up themselves. I remember reading in the Mobility Report last year, um, p- published by uh, Patrick Carlson's team, uh, Ericsson's onboarding something like one million new subscribers a day for all of their clients around the world. And that that just must be a mind-boggling transition for these clients you're working with to, at, the, at the operator space to, to transition from not just virtualization, but that whole orchestration uh, transition what's that like going into sort of going into these organizations and saying that you can not just orchestrate and automate it but you can actually bring in i guess continuous integration continuous development which is a whole new agile world they may not have had any experience with yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's a very good reflection uh, uh, it's it's the, the new technology opens up for new possibilities and 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 let me be be fair here when it comes to uh, continuous integration and continuous deployments I, i'm i'm a personally very passionate about uh, the benefits and the possibilities with that but it's at the same time it's it's also touches quite sensitive parts of of, of service providers uh, business and, and operations right uh, they are measured on kpis i mean they they are measured on 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 performance to their end subscribers and and and, and that of course uh, uh, tends to make um, changes in ways of working uh, kind of a little bit conservative uh, they are, of course, concerned about quality, uh, and and they are concerned about uh, what would the changes actually mean uh, in in terms of performance of the network. Uh, this is where uh, I uh, I'm really happy to work with with some lead customers uh, in the area of CI/CD, uh, where we can show that well. If you if you work in a different way, if you, if you, if you work with continuously 
enhancing your networks by, by upgrading your, your networks and, and, and do small adjustments and, 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 and upgrades to your, to your total systems in a, in a much more uh, faster but smaller incremental way. You, you're, you're gaining a number of things. You're gaining, of course, time to market for new features, right? Instead of planning, okay, do a super large total network upgrade once every 18 months, a huge project, a lot of changes, a lot of testing, 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 testing to ensure no negative impact. If you instead change your way of working, if you do small stuff regularly all the time, well, you get stuff out faster. But it also, and this is really interesting, uh, you get better quality. Because, I mean, all, all the science, and we can also see this now with the first operators that are, are front runners here, is that if you plan on doing something continuously with small changes all the time, you have better control over the quality. You, you have a smaller delta towards the software that is already running in your network instead of these super large 18-month projects. So, so uh, we have seen the, the quality for these uh, front runners, the quality in, in terms of issues that they found in their, find in their networks, that is improving significantly. So, so it's, it's, it's really a win-win. Of course, in the end, it's about operational savings. Um, if you can automate the way you are introducing new features, the way you're introducing new software in, in your network, you will in the end, save money. Uh, huge projects once per year or once every 18 months, they are quite costly. And, and, and I'm passionate about this change because this, this will mean uh, um, uh, improvements for, for, for both us and, and, and our customers, I believe. Sure. And I guess the key thing out of that for me, um, just to focus on one area, just is that uh, in the transition to the, the the new, I guess, agile operating model, when we think about transitioning from virtualization into cloud, cloud to DevOps, DevOps to CI/CD, uh, I mean, yes, we would love everyone to run out and spend millions and millions of dollars on the uh, Ericsson uh, hyperscale data center systems, eight thousands, uh, but it's also the case, I think, that they can essentially take some of that sunk cost that they have in infrastructure already that might have been dedicated servers and dedicated switch fabric and virtualize onto that, can't they? So they, even if it's just a lab or a, a MVP proof of concept, you can effectively deploy on existing infrastructure to a point and they can essentially get a second return on investment on some of that sunk cost infrastructure by going from dedicated uh, hardware running stuff to you know, virtualize and cloud and then start to scale out with the likes of the, the HDS 8000 or other hardware and build virtual services from there. Is that a is that a fair assessment to make? That so they don't have to just throw it all out and start afresh. They can so they can build in small iterative steps and scale on demand. Yes, yes, it's it's totally right. Uh, I mean, and, and what many service providers are actually doing, they, they're building hybrid uh, networks. Right? No one is really. If you take the packet core, no, no one is just taking what they have, ripping it out and, and throw it away and then completely build, build, build from, from, from scratch, right? Uh, I think most service providers is, is applying a cap and grow kind of strategy. So they basically they decide, okay, now we're not investing in the old any longer, but it's there. It serves as well. It uh, provides a, a, a base uh, uh, capacity for what I need to deliver through my network, but from now on, all the future investment is 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 used 
is using is going towards virtualization and that is perfectly fine i mean if 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 you plan your your network transformation in the right way you should be able to operate your networks in a hybrid fashion until you you basically have your your uh, your complete network being virtualized. I, I, this is not a digital thing. Okay, next month we go virtual and, and we throw it away. It's it's as you say, uh, they should reuse their investment uh, as long as it's it's operational. Okay, absolutely. And and these carriers are not uh, uh, completely um, blind to these types of technology. I mean, the carriers already and the operators are already running out uh, you know various cloud platforms. I'm sure they're all running up OpenStack clusters of some form at that scale, mm. and so they're already familiar with the stuff. They you know they've done their homework. Uh, like everybody, they're tracking the three GPP activity around what's happening with five G and other standards. Uh, so I guess in many ways, you know, they're they're the perfect client because they are as interested in this digital transformation and digital disruption of themselves as you are. You want to sell them new services and and become a stronger partner, but they also want to welcome you, I imagine, to help through that transition because even though they're familiar with the technologies, often with this stuff, it's it's far smarter and, and easier to focus on their core business of delivering services to consumers and allowing you to kind of supply off-the-shelf, quote-unquote, things. Because uh, I know reading some data recently, I think uh, Ericsson published a, um, a 5G roadmap for operators, and I was reading it the other day. And out of the 50 carrier-level uh, operator interviews they ran, which, you know, it's a lot of big companies at that scale, um, 100% mm. were already defining uh, different use cases of 5G, which... You know, if you look at enterprise and, and even, let's say, banking and financial services uh, industry, FSI, if you start talking about cloud and big data and analytics and AI, there's never a situation where those industry and market groups are 100% on board. But to say that telcos, uh, the 50 telcos that were interviewed, 100% already had to find a, a use case of 5G uh, was mind-boggling because it means essentially that the entire market, for want of a better description, is ready to go with you. Um, what's the what's the whole experience of like when it, when a telco comes to you or if you're talking to a telco, um, walk us through that kind of experience of of building that that partnership to move to now doing the digital transformation and going to agile and and, and virtual spaces. Uh, it must be a, a you know I'm sure in the past has been a lot of hard sell getting big hardware sold, but now you're you're selling different stacks of all sorts. You're not just selling hardware. You're not just selling professional services. All kinds of soft intangible bits. What does that kind of conversation look like when you're working with a carrier? I'm keen to get the sort of how they approach it with you and I guess the natural evolution of that that relationship building to get to the point where they are running out likes of 5G and IoT and autonomous things and sensors on essentially fully software-defined infrastructure eventually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, there is a challenge uh, and, and an opportunity here, right? I mean, the if, if you look at the current use cases for 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 operator service revenues, it, it shows very moderate growth, right, for the next ten years. Uh, at the same time, as as uh, the possibility with digitalization and revenues uh, in, in in helping industries in in, in transforming, is really really huge growth right and I, and i think most of the service providers that comes now and looking at looking at 5g it's about what are the new use cases how can how can we use the new technology how can we use the the next generation of 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 the of the telecom systems to to address new business opportunities how can we help in the industry digitalization uh, to 5g i think most of the customer dialogue is in this space. Uh, I, I, I think when it comes back to to my area, Packet Core again. I mean, we are we are um, 
a necessary enabler, you can say, uh, in order for you to to do address these new uh, opportunities, you need to have a network where you can orchestrate it and you can slice it, uh, use network slicing technology to, to to potentially address new business opportunities. So, so in that sense, you can say that we, we are in my domain quite early. Uh, we, we, we say that, uh, well, for you to, to really be first in 5G, first get to the core. And what we mean with that is that you need to build your capabilities in your core network. You need to make sure that you have started your virtualization. You need to make sure that you have your orchestration in place and, and your automation procedures. You need to make sure that you can do network slicing to effectively address these new business opportunities that comes uh, uh, with the evolution towards 5G. So, so uh, in, in that sense, I would say we are lucky in, in a way because uh, I think this is well understood in the industry that, that you, you need to build your uh, enabling capabilities uh, as a starting point. Sure, and I think we're in a brave new world as far as uh, you know. I guess disruptions for even Ericsson. I mean, you know, Ericsson's moving very quickly. If you've gone through a digital transformation yourselves, and that you've built your own cloud environments and tested and run it and transitioned to that and used it yourself, so you're essentially uh, using your own product, um, eating your own dog food, as they say out in the market. Uh, you're now sort of you know helping customers go through that. But there's some really big changes that are coming about where there are new things being launched on a regular basis that we've never even thought of before. And, you know, I, I remember when uh, in Australia here, when Netflix was sort of available, you know, Netflix uh, has been around for, for a long, long time. They started out uh, posting DVDs to people in physical form. Mm. But these days it's, it's an app on a phone or a tablet or a smart TV or whatever, uh, Xbox, Apple TV device. It's a little icon. It's a little, it's an app, right? And, it, and, and we can watch TV yep. on it and movies on it. When Netflix was first made available legally in Australia, because everyone was buying VPNs before that, um, the internet traffic coming in and out of Australia almost doubled. It, it increased by 47%. Mm. Um, and, and we all sat up and paid attention and went, hang on a second, how did one app, one cloud-based service, flood and saturate our internet connectivity into our nation by another 47%? It virtually doubled overnight. And I kept thinking to myself, what if two apps launched on the same day? And the carriers were, were caught a little bit off guard. They didn't expect that sort of uptake. We've now seen mm. a similar thing with a new game called Fortnite, which I was reading about the other day, which uh, you know all the kids around the place are playing. My 13-year-old son's uh, a big fan of it. And it's this living, breathing sort of virtual world. Uh, it's a bit of a shoot-em-up, you know, in-person game. Uh, but Fortnite, in, in, in a very short period of time, in a matter of months, has become the, the fastest-growing, largest live game on the planet. And again, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where we thought in-person gaming and shoot 'em up games had sort of hit their peak and Minecraft had hit their peak. This thing just came out of nowhere and Epic Games who publish it, even they were surprised that this thing's taken off. And now we're seeing reports around the world where this one app, this, this thing is essentially a, a you know, tiny little icon on some devices, is impacting global traffic patterns. Um, so I can imagine when we get things like uh, the Internet of Things with sensors, that's one thing, and the Industrial Internet of the Sensors even probably more importantly, autonomous things of whether it's, you know, trucks teaming down the freeway together or cars around a, a suburban area, um, you know, uh, full-sized uh, drones with humans flying around places like Dubai. Low latency, high turnover, you know, zero downtime. These are all things that you live and breathe. 
Um, I'm really keen to kind of hand you, a, before we wrap up, a, a virtual crystal ball and get you to kind of gaze into that and give us some insight into kind of what are the next big trends? Uh, you know, if I was to hand you a virtual crystal ball now and say, uh, have a little, uh, Pio, please have a look at this and just, you know, over the horizon, three to five years, where are we going? What's, what are the big trends that you see, given that you are literally on the bleeding edge and seeing all the new innovations and driving those innovations? Where do you see us going in three to five years? Because I think there's some big disruptions happening now at the, 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 just the gaming and consumer space. I imagine when we get some of this infrastructure stuff happening, you know, whether it's sensors and autonomous things, it's, a, it's another Cambrian explosion multiplied by you know, N times number of ideas, isn't it? Yes, uh, you're totally right. I, I, I think that we are, um, I, I, I think that no one can really, really say, okay, what will be the services two, three years down the road? But I think if, if, if I'm to, if I'm to say something, uh, uh, what, what I do think will be very, very, very important is, well, the, we see that low latency services are, are being enabled now with with the 5G technology. Uh, we are using virtualization in a way where we can cut down latency quite significantly by distributing part of your core networks out further out into the network. That will enable new type of services. At the same time, there will be new services that we haven't even thought about yet popping up so so if if i would if i would be saying something about who will succeed and what will be really key for the next three to five years is the ones that are building their network today with enough flexible capabilities uh having uh, a forward-looking uh vision of how can you scale how can you build uh, a network that whenever a new service takes off, you have enough capacity in your data centers, you have automated your procedures, so you can basically automatically adjust your network capabilities. If you have done that, then you're going to be very, very, very successful. So I think this will be a key fundament for the next three years, how to go from in all honesty, fairly rigid way of building your networks uh, if you go back a couple of years, really uh, uh, embracing the new technology, changing your ways of working, uh, and and dramatically increase the, the level of automation. Because first then you will be able to, to adjust to whatever are the new services, low latency driven, higher capacity, distributed, centralized, uh, whatever will be required from the network, you need to build those capabilities already today. So, so um, ways of working around automation, ways of working around how you work with software, uh, how do you uh, really embrace CI/CD? Uh, just to put a, a bit of a perspective to that there, uh, there's a lot of talk about DevOps, but, but DevOps really means, uh, if you look at the ICT industry, uh, that the same company that, that develops the software is also the, the same organization that runs the software. So you have a very tight connection between development and, and, and operations. 
Here, we are trying to do that across a business boundary, uh, a boundary where we as a vendor are providing software, while the customers, uh, the service providers are the one that operates the software. So, so this is also, I think, something that will select out or slice out who will be the winners uh, for the years to come. That will be the service providers that are most at the forefront in adopting a new way of working with software, life cycle handling of software. The ones that can transform themselves from a bulky software handling once per year, every second year, as I said before, into much faster, something happens all the time. I think that will be actually the the, the biggest change when it comes to ways of working in, in in our domain for the for the for the next three years. The the change in we in how we together with our customers are are, are working with lifecycle handling of software, CICD. Wow, it's a that's a great note to wrap up on because it's a, it is a very exciting time for us, and it reminds me of the uh, the story about Netflix's uh, Chaos Monkey, where they wrote their own uh, script or so that uh, deliberately went around and randomly broke the Netflix infrastructure so that they had mm-hmm. to keep up with it. But once they were able to stop the script breaking their platform randomly, there was no way a customer could break the platform because the customer couldn't do anything as random as their script. But I think you're absolutely right. All, all the things you've just outlined there are kind of the brave new world that we're entering into, where we almost have to not just expect things to break, but uh, plan for things to break because they will and be able to deal with that. And, and at yeah. the other end of the spectrum, plan for new developments and new services to be implemented on the fly. It's, it's kind of like a, uh, the whole thing has to be liquid and, and dynamic so that at any given moment, either Ericsson's development team or infrastructure team or you know, packet team can come up with new capabilities at the research labs or the consumers and the customers can come to you asking for a new feature and it can be rolled out without physically touching anything and and on demand in a service catalog uh payo thank you so much for some amazing insights and it was fantastic to get to know you personally and uh, to get to know your background and and certainly the transition into your current role and uh some great insights on what's happening in virtualization and the transition to uh i guess the, the 5g transformation and um hopefully we can uh catch up again and do another show in the future and uh see what uh what's come out of your world and the labs in the world of Ericsson, Ericsson Digital. So, uh, folks, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, Pio Leto, head of product line packet core in uh, Ericsson's business area digital services inside Ericsson Digital. Uh, Pio, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to get to know you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.